I want to continue on in the series of how to live your whole life free from fear in every way. Living free from fear is a must for you as a child of God. I believe this is about the sixth time we're coming together on this. And I want to talk to you about a big part of how to win the battle in your mind. The battlefield is in your mind. Paul wrote to Timothy by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He said, God has not given you the spirit of fear. So this word fear is the Greek word delia, as we've talked about. It is something that will turn you into a coward. It's a, it's a demonic spirit that will use circumstances and throw thoughts to try to turn you into a coward. But God says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but I have given you a spirit that is full of power and love and of a sound mind. Soundness of mind is so important to rid your whole life from fear. The word delia, the word fear, it means to turn you into a coward, but it really deals with things. Most of the time this word was used to describe something that has not, helped, that has not happened yet. This spirit of fear will come and throw thoughts, get you so looking at circumstances and things, something that happened, hasn't happened yet, so to start questioning you, to start to get you to start questioning, what if this happens? What if that happens? Gosh, what if I contract this virus? What if my symptoms in my body don't get better? What if I, I, I lose my job? What if I don't have money to pay my bills? All of these things, it's all the what ifs. I'm telling you, child of God, you can win this battle in your mind. The Word of God is very clear on how to do it. So we're going to talk about that tonight. I want you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to look at verse 2. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. There's just a real sweet spirit here right now. It was all throughout worship. I want you to treat this tonight like I'm just sitting in your living room with you or wherever you are, and we're just going to get in the Word together. And the God of heaven is going to bring by His Spirit great revelation to your heart. And you're going to be able to lay hold of this. Get ready because you're going to know how to apply this to your life. As we're teaching these principles, the God of heaven is going to bring things up. He's going to speak to your spirit about how you specifically in your, in your life, how you can win the battle of the mind so that you can live a life free from fear. In Romans 12, verse 2, it says this. Now, in the book of Romans... This is a continuation from chapter 8, the victory chapter where Paul laid out by the Holy Spirit, it is God's will that you walk in victory in every area of your life. And then it continues on in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 2, now it's, he's going to tell us how to walk in victory. It says, and be not conformed to this world or this world system. This word, word conformed means don't be pressed into the mold of this world system. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind or by the renovation of your mind. This Greek, also, this Greek word also means by the replenishing and refilling of your mind. God wants you to take His words which are life and power. And he wants you to renovate your thinking. He wants to, renovation, he wants you to tear out those old detrimental thought processes that are destructive in your life. The thinking that you're not enough, 
that you're always going to live the way you're living right now, that you're not going to increase, that what you're facing is going to overcome you, that you're worthless. I don't know what it is in your life, but the God of heaven is saying, don't be pressed in to the to the basically the mold don't think the way the world thinks you be transformed by the renovation the replenishing the refilling of your mind and you do that that you may prove this word prove means that you might see discern and identify what is that good acceptable and perfect will of God. Not wills. God has one will for your life, and it's good, acceptable, and perfect. It's a progression. The more you grow in Him, the more you will see and lay hold of this plan that He has for your life that's good, acceptable, it's perfect. It will fulfill you in ways that nothing else can. I like the New Living Testament. It's a it's a, it's a translation, really, it's a paraphrase that really brings out the Greek language. The New Living Translation says this of Romans 12, 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't be like the world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. I love the way that's worded because that's how it works. For your life to be transformed, for you to change into an entirely different person where now you move and go from I don't know what I'm going to do to I know I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. From I don't know, this doesn't seem possible to no, 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 I believe so therefore all things are possible to me that I'm going to be above only and not beneath, the head and not the tail. This is what we're talking about. You transform into a completely different person by changing the way you think. It says then, once you've changed the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This process that we're talking about is called, we call it or title this, the renewing of our mind, the renovation of our mind, the replenishing and refilling of our mind. It's a process where we take the Word of God as we put that in our heart and we adopt an entirely new set of values, an entirely new way of looking at things through the Word of God's perspective, through the lens of what God says. See, the Bible, we don't think just positively, we think unlimited. All things are possible to us who believes. And what happens is as you change the way you think, as you renew and renovate your mind with the Word of God, what happens is supernatural transformation takes place. And that supernatural transformation is what God desires for your life. But here's the thing. Child of God, you're the one that has to decide and start that process. God will not force it upon you. God never drives you to do anything. He always leads you. It's the enemy that drives you. So how do I renew my mind and change the way that I think? This process really comes from two things. You renew your thinking. You change the way you think with the Word of God. You change the way you think by the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So it's the Word of God and it's the Spirit of God speaking to you. See, the exercise of your will 
determines whether or not you're going to submit yourself to God and resist the enemy. It's so important. James 4, 7 says that we are to submit ourselves to God. Well, submitting to God is submitting to His Word. It's submitting to His Spirit. Submit, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is how it works. And we need to realize this. If we don't make a decision, if we don't make a diligent effort, a diligent effort to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, what's going to happen? There's no middle ground. If we're not doing that, you are by default going to be conformed to the image and thinking of this world. What we're saying in this scripture is you change into a whole completely different person by changing the way that you think. We think as children of God in line with God's word. See, thoughts, they shape you. Words are containers and they contain thoughts which shape you. If you embrace the enemy's words, those words contain his thoughts that will shape you into a fearful person who's only looking at the circumstances of your life. So he does that, so he takes your eyes off the word, makes you doubt the word, so that he can steal, kill, and destroy. But if we change the way that we think, by receiving God's words, those thoughts that are in his words will shape you into the man and woman of God that he wants you to be. This is the only way that you'll be able to realize God's will for your life and then walk in it. God has a path for you. He has laid out a path. He's created the path for what he's put in you. He has a life that will fulfill you like nothing else. But you must make a decision that I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to diligently embrace God's thoughts. You must replace what the world system has programmed you to think with the example, with the pattern, with the model of life that God's word gives you. We are to walk in dominion and authority in this earth. We are to walk free from sickness and disease in strength. We're to walk in joy and peace. We're to walk in fulfillment while we face the outward storms that come from living in this world. God wants you to meditate in his word so that you can understand and adopt his way of thinking and then use it, use his way of thinking to replace the world's way of thinking. You literally are self-programmable. God's saying, take my word and renew your mind with my word. See, everything with God is completely opposite of the way of thinking of the world. The way of thinking and living with God is completely opposite. The world will tell you to increase, you have to keep everything. God says no, if you want to increase, you've got to sow. It's a principle in the earth. Seed time and harvest will never pass away. It's in Genesis chapter 8. But if you don't adopt that way of thinking, when things get tight, instead of sowing for another harvest, You'll hold on to, you'll eat your seed, and then you'll go into greater lack. We, the Bible says the harvest of, of a man's life, it depends entirely upon the seeds that he sows in every arena of your life. So now in Romans chapter 8, in verse 29, the Spirit of God is saying something very important to us. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. 
talking about this good, acceptable, and perfect plan that God has for each of us. It will look different in each of us. However, there's a pattern there. And here it is. In Romans 8, 29, it says, For whom he did foreknow. Well, who did he know beforehand? Every human being who's ever lived. He also did predestinate or pre-plan for them to be conformed into the image of his Son. God planned for everyone, every human being from Adam on, his plan for their life would be that they would be fashioned like unto the very representation and resemblance of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Why? So that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brethren. Hallelujah. The Word of God says things like this, as He is, so are we in this world. Jesus said, the way the Father has called me, now I'm calling you. We're to walk and be Jesus on this earth. Right now during these times where fear is at, a, at the all-time high in, in society, listen, we as Christians need to be Jesus and be light to our neighbors, our friends, our associates. We need to walk in the protection of God and in the strength of God, in the wisdom of God, and in the love of God to help those. So what is the foundation of this transforming the way that we think, the transformation of our mind? The foundation of it really is in John chapter 15, in verse 7. John chapter 15, in verse 7. It says this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, Notice it starts with the word if. So this isn't an automatic thing. This is a thing that you decide. If you choose to abide in Jesus, well, how do you do that? By receiving Him as your Lord and Savior, by getting born again. You're in Christ, if so be that the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. When a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of them. So I've already, and you've already, if you're a child of God, you have literally already fulfilled half of this verse. If you abide in me, we abide in him, if the Holy Spirit's in us. But then it goes on to say, and my words abide or live in you. This is the big one. You have to make a decision if you're going to allow the Word of God to live in you in abundance. You'll know if it's living in you in abundance because it'll be coming out of your mouth. Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. But it says, if you abide in me, if you live in me, and my words live in you, you shall ask whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. In other words, this word ask means you will call for, require, and make a demand for whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. Wow. Well, notice it, it let me bring this out. It doesn't say, and it shall be done for you. It says it will be done unto you. The reason why it doesn't say that it'll be done for you is because it's already been done for you. God is not doing anything for you today. He did everything for you in the redemptive work of Jesus almost 2,000 years ago. Everything you'll ever need, all the healing, all the provision, all the peace, everything was already done for you. But now God's saying, if you will live in me and my words will live in you, you'll ask whatever you will and it shall be done unto you. In other words, God will make sure to appropriate that and work that in your life because he's already done it for you. 
I like the Weiss translation of this scripture in John 15, 7. The Weist translation, uh, if you ever want to look that up, it's spelled W-U-E-S-T. The Weist translation really brings out the Greek wonderfully. It says, if you maintain a living connection with me and my words, or with me, and my words are at home in you, then I will command you to ask at once something for yourself, whatever your heart desires, and it will become yours. We see and it brings out the truth of this scripture in this translation, your desires will be generated by the Holy Spirit. It says, I will command you to ask whatever your heart desires. In other words, God, as you delight in his word, this is Psalm 37, 4, as you delight in his word, he gives you the desires of your heart. The word delight literally means in that scripture, it means, that Hebrew word means to make God the source of your joy, your pleasure, and your satisfaction. And, and this, this Hebrew word, the foundation of it is, it, it means to be pliable. So we're always humble, faithful, teachable. Whatever God wants to do in our life, our life is on the altar. We're renewing our mind and we're allowing the Spirit of God to grow us up. This verse reveals what we are to renew our mind to. See, abiding, it has to do with the mind. I must let the Word of God abide in my spirit man so that the Holy Spirit can bring revelation and then my spirit will communicate that to my mind so now my mind is being renewed. My mind is the control center of my life. This lust of the flesh, the old nature that's in my physical body still, that spiritual dead nature tries to grab on to part of an unrenewed mind to take my captive spirit and make me do something that I don't want to do. But if I renew my mind with the word of God, my spirit man who submitted to the Holy Spirit will side with my renewed mind and we will dominate our body and tell our body what we're going to do. Abiding involves being consciously aware of the indwelling presence of God in my life. I live my life conscious of His indwelling presence all the time. All day, all night, I'm constantly so thankful that I know that the God of heaven dwells in me and I dwell in him. You must continually refill and replenish your conscious awareness of the presence of God in your life. If you don't do that, you're not going to be able to walk on this earth on your path. You abide in Him by increasing your awareness of the indwelling presence in your, of, him, of God in your life. What does that mean? That He never leaves you, He never forsakes you, and you can in every way trust Him. 1 John chapter 4, in verse 4, brings out this truth from God's word about his indwelling presence. 1 John 4.4, 4, it says this, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that lives in you, that lives in, or that is in the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 19, says this, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and that you're not your own? Child of God, your physical body is the temple 
of the Holy Ghost. Your physical body now holds your spirit man who is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The God of heaven dwells in your spirit and your spirit is in your body. So that's why your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are living temples of His presence and we are to reveal Him to the world. That's why we're here. We must be rooted and grounded in the fact that God is in me, that God goes before me, that He makes darkness light before me, that He makes crooked places straight. I love Isaiah 42, 16. It says, And I will bring the blind by a way that they know not. This is Isaiah 42, 16. And I will lead them in paths that they have not known. And I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things shall I do for them and not forsake them. When you realize that God's presence indwells you, that He's always with you, He always goes before you, and that nothing can separate you from His love, this is going to affect everything that you do, how you do it. It affects where you go. It changes and transforms your behavior. And it causes you to walk in a boldness in your life because you know Him. Hallelujah. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That's Psalm 37.4. Delighting. See, that word delight, that Hebrew word means pliable. It means, you know, like we said before, making God the source of your joy, pleasure, and satisfaction. This delighting involves abiding and using your mind. Delighting is thinking. Delighting is mental imaging. Delighting is meditating in His Word. Delighting is getting your life in alignment with God's Word. Your delight is His delight because you abide in Him. See, so what happens as you're doing this? As you put God's Word first, as you're renewing your mind with His Word, that you're not allowing detrimental thought processes from the enemy to take root. You take every thought captive with God's Word. What happens is you begin to analyze and evaluate every obstacle or every decision you face in life of the fact that God is always with me, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that the greater one dwells in me, that the God of more than enough sees me through to victory every time. So this is what I mean by this. So now you're walking through life, you go to the doctor, and you get a bad report from the doctor. He's, the doc, you, don't, you, know, you get a bad report, there's sickness or disease, or something's coming against you. You don't say in this position, oh no, what am I going to do? Instead, it rises up in you because it's who you are, and you say, you know what, doctor, thank you for that report, and as you leave... You're just, oh, Father, I thank you that the healer lives in me. If you find yourself in poverty or in lack or in some kind of lack in your life, you don't say, what am I going to do? It rises up out of your spirit and you say, my provider lives within me. He's with me. See, when God wants to get information to you about his will and his call that is upon your life, he will access your soul through your spirit. Well, how does he do that? Because see, God doesn't talk to your mind. He talks to your spirit. Your spirit is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit imparts revelation from God's word to your spirit. 
Revelation from God's word is what brings direction in your life. So if the enemy can cut off the word, you'll never figure out what God's plan is for your life. You'll shoot much less. You'll just be trying to figure it out in your mind. The Bible says you can't even see the glorious plan. It's not even entered into your mind, the wonderful things that God's prepared for those that love him. It is natural for your soul to do what your body is screaming to do or what you feel like doing. Your feelings, see, the feelings and emotions will try to connect with a thought from the enemy for the purpose of influencing you to get your eyes off God's word. That's how it works. So we must train our soul continually. We have to train our soul because if we don't, we're going to start thinking wrong thoughts and it will start to build what the Bible calls a vain imagination in our mind. A vain imagination, see all of our behavior comes out of our imagination, so a vain imagination is literally a movie that's going on on the inside of your life where you see yourself living in a manner that's contrary to what God's word says that you're to live. Vain imaginations will cause behavior that will deviate from the way God intends for you to live, for the way God mandates for you to live in his word. So wrong behavior, if you're walking in wrong behavior today, it's coming from wrong thinking, which is a product of an imagination that has not been renewed or an imagination that has not been weaned off detrimental thought processes. When we say a vain imagination, the word vain, it literally means empty. It means worthless. It means with no purpose. Satan will lead you down a road seeking the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and all roads lead to no purpose, no fulfillment, and death with him. Oh, will you feel good? Will it fire up your emotions from time to time? Yeah. But the destination is always you're not fulfilled. It's always death. There's no purpose. God created you to live with purpose. Anything that is not in the Bible or anything that does not align with God's principles that he laid out in his word is vain. It's empty, it's worthless, and it has no purpose. Anything that works in life is because it's God's idea. Always realize that, child of God. See, vain imaginations will build a picture of our lives on the basis of everything except God's word. Vain imaginations, you'll be so up to here with your life. It'll be all about you. Everything you do will be for your own fulfillment and you will miss the purpose and plan that God has for your life. In Romans chapter 8, I'd like you to look at this scripture. Romans chapter 8 in verse 5 and verse 6, it says this. Romans 8, verse 5 and 6. It says, For they that are after the flesh, that's the natural man, that's your fleshly man, the outward man, the Bible says. For they that are after the flesh do mind or give attention to the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the inward man, your spirit man, the things of the Spirit. They, they give attention to the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. In other words, if you are giving attention to natural, earthly things, it can only produce death. I didn't say that. God says that. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, in other words, to pay attention 
to the spiritual truths that are, that are unseen, but they govern everything. To keep our eyes on God's word, to think his thoughts, to speak his words. To be, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Never forget that death is always a result of being carnally minded. But here's the thing, and this is what fools you, death is not always instant. Satan will get you going down a wrong path very slowly until all of a sudden you end at a destination and there's death all around you and it's confusing and you don't know how to get out. Death is usually, it's a process of corruption that takes your life down a downward trend. It's a downward cycle. God wants your life to be lived with an upward cycle. That's why he says the path of the righteous is one of increase. This process of death is very slow and it's hard to see. So as you walk and are carnally minded, you won't even realize that your life is being lived in a downward progression. That's why, child of God, it's, it's bursting in my heart right now. There's many of you that need to seriously realign your life with, your, with different friends. Some of you are so aligned with people that are walking carnally that it's leading your life into death and you don't even know it. Oh, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you right now. You can't surround your close friend, you can't surround yourself with people in your life that are not walking in the Word of God, that are not walking by the faith of God, that don't have Him first place and are pursuing God passionately. If you do, you're going to experience death this is so important. The carnal mind is dominated by vain imaginations. Right now during this time with us facing this coronavirus, I heard somebody say, they said you could completely, a doctor said this, you could completely tell. He, she said, I could completely tell who watches the news and who doesn't. Because the, the people who are just laser-focused on all that's happening with this virus, and they're, they're listening to all these lies that these reporters and media are sharing, some truth with all this lie, all the fear, they're so steeped in fear, and there's no end to it. It produces death. You could tell who's watching it and who's not. The ability to eliminate vain imaginations and focus our thought life through the filter of the Word of God, this is critical to renewing our mind. It's critical. And God has given us weapons for this. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Hang with me. You know, we've been going. We're, we're, we're kind of coming down the hill now. Just give me five or ten minutes at the most and we're going to be closed out. So get alert because God's given you and I weapons. Weapons of our warfare to, to literally take care of vain imagination so that we don't live carnally. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. People are never your problem. The enemy is always your problem. Every battle that you will face in life, although you can see the natural end of it, it's not natural. It's always a spiritual battle. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not natural. They're not temporal. They're not natural weapons that you can see. But they are mighty through God. 
They're not mighty by themselves. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. These weapons that God has given us are mighty through Him to pull down strongholds. Where? In our mind. To get rid of those vain imaginations, those strongholds, those prisons that we have built in our mind that take us captive and rob us from experiencing the life of God. Why does a person, they can't ever stop feeling like a failure? I'm telling you, God has weapons. It's the Word of God that will tear that down. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will lift the burden off of you and destroy the yoke of bondage so that you can walk free and see yourself in the light as God really has made you as his child. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This is how it works. Verse 5, casting down imaginations. These weapons that are not carnal, but they are spiritual, they are mighty through God, will cast down imaginations. That is the Greek word logismos. These imaginations, this is the reasonings, this, is, this word logismos means the reasonings of the mind, the logical thinking of the mind. It's logical to think that if you're in lack, you need to save more in order to get out of lack. God says, no, you sow and that will bring a harvest that will get you out of lack. When you're hurt, the, the natural world will tell you, listen, walk in unforgiveness. They did you wrong. You just don't forgive them. And that will eat you alive. Forgiveness brings life. Walking in the love of God brings freedom. These weapons, they cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. They, they bring down every high thing. This means literally a lofty thing that is trying to exalt itself against God's Word, who God is, against the knowledge of God. This word exalt reveals in the Greek how it works. This word exalt means that it's something that slowly and progressively takes a place of preeminence in your life. It's describing, it's, it's kind of like you put a frog in a pan of warm water that feels really comfortable and then you turn it up one degree and then you keep it at that level until the frog is used to that so he doesn't jump out and then you turn it up another degree and you wait and another degree and you wait until all of a sudden this frog starts realizing that I can no longer move I no longer have control that's the way these thoughts are. Satan will throw thoughts in your mind to try to penetrate your mind to slowly and progressively take a place of preeminence in your life to where you literally are going, man, I don't know what God's will is. I don't know how to get from where I am back into this life that God has for me. These weapons cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. These weapons also bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. They, what they do, this word obedience, it literally means that these, the weapons, the Word of God, will literally, it'll force your mind into a position where you make it listen to the Word of God. So here's the enemy throwing thoughts and these feelings and your emotions are trying to attach to these wrong thoughts to take you down a wrong road. But if you'll speak the Word of God 
If you'll speak the anointed word of God and meditate in it day and night, the anointing upon that word will literally lift that burden and destroy that yoke of bondage. It will cause your mind, it'll wake your mind up and say, okay, listen to God's word. It, this is describing our warfare. We're not fighting Satan. We're not fighting Satan because he's already defeated. Our warfare is to think right so that we believe right, so that we will speak and act right, so that we can walk in the Zoe life of God. Now this battleground in our mind, it literally, it has three levels of mental activity. First, first level. Now we're closing right now. The first level is the thought level. Satan will throw thoughts into your mind over and over and over. Thoughts will come to you from every direction. They're generated by every word that is spoken to you or that you're hearing. Thoughts come from things that you're seeing. Thoughts come from every circumstance you encounter. And not all thoughts are good, so you must decide what thoughts are going, that you're going to dwell on. If the word is in abundance in your heart, you will know what thoughts to dwell on. You must cast down all the other thoughts with the word of God. See, thoughts are the root. You will always, your life will always move in the direction of your most dominant thought. This is so important. Matthew 6.31 reveals a great truth. Jesus said, take no thought saying. How you take a thought is when you speak it out of your mouth. You put words to the thought. But then you go into the second level. The second level of mental activity is imaginations. The thoughts will build an imagination in your mind. When you begin to ponder and meditate and think upon a thought, you, what you're doing is you isolate it in your mind and you begin building a mental image in your imagination. You do this. The mental image in your imagination will eventually produce a behavior. You build, what you're doing is you're building a scenario for a piece of your life around the thought that you've taken. And then the third thing, the third level of mental activity is now there's a stronghold. Imaginations become strongholds when the behavior that the imagination produces becomes consistent and contrary to what the Word of God says. Strongholds are manifested in people's lives outwardly in bad habits, in addictive or compulsive behavior. A stronghold literally is defined as a prison, as an enemy fortification. The kingdom of darkness is involved in this. Satan and demons, these demons, these principalities and powers that are set against you, they can't read your mind. They observe your life and listen to your words. That's how they know what's going on in your mind. When, you, when they observe wrong behavior or they hear words that reveal these vain imaginations, what they do is they try to bring this arena of your thought life to the level of a stronghold. And they do this by manipulating circumstances, using people to cause you to have repeated occurrences, repeated opportunity to continue the wrong behavior. So this is how it works. Satan will throw thoughts in your mind. And if you take those thoughts by speaking them, you will start, as you're speaking them, you're building an imagination in your imagination. You're building a movie, so to speak, that is showing you how you live. Sometimes you could end up 
It builds worthlessness into you. It builds something where you just have this core movie always playing in your mind that you're never going to succeed at anything. And if you, if you keep speaking that, then, then what happens is these principalities and powers that are assigned against you go, oh, this is great. There's a vain imagination. We've got to keep this thing going. So then they'll bring people, they'll bring friends in your life. They'll bring friends in your life that are living contrary to what God would want them to live. They'll bring friends in your life with the same vain imaginations. They'll surround you with friends and circumstances, an environment, so that now you can keep acting out the behavior of the vain imagination. And what you're in effect doing is you're building a prison that will take you captive. And all of a sudden, you go from somebody who is just this young guy or this young girl where all things are possible to now you're 40 and 50 years old and you're completely taken captive and the boundaries of your life are so small and you're living way below what God wants. But let me finish up with this, but you don't have to live like that. You can take God's thoughts, God's word, and meditate in it day and night. And take his words and start speaking them over your life over and over and over. We're never to let the word of God depart out of our life. I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things through him. I don't have a spirit of fear. And what this does is it builds this imagination of me living life in the faith of God, by the love of God, in the strength of God, and joy and peace of God, being led by the Spirit of God. And now what happens is now God is bringing people in your life that are walking the same way. He's planting you in a church where you're going to hear the Word of God under the anointing. He creates an environment in your life so that you keep walking in that behavior. And what happens is your life is transformed. There's no prison. God's words don't build a prison. They build a life of your dreams. And now His word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. The entrance of His word is life. It's life to me. And I'm speaking life, and I could have what I say. So what happens now is I'm living my life in a way where I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. I'm seeking first to know Him. I'm not living for myself. I'm living for Him, to know Him, and to help and bless others. And while I'm doing that, the blessing of God, God harvests blessing in my life that are amazing. Child of God, don't think your status in life today is final. Don't think that your financial life right now is final. Don't think that God doesn't have something better for you. He does. He said it in His Word, and His Word is the final authority. Well, I pray that you receive this Word, that you be a doer of it, that you continue in it, that you might know the truth of the Word of God so that the Word of God can make you free in every area.